Hello, and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from the Executive Pill. And today, <laughs> today is a good day. Why? Because we have another phenomenal leader with us, ready to share some really exciting stories, as well as some knowledge in regards to leadership and how all of us and all of you can reach your goals. So let's bring on today's guest, Mr. Kari Brown. Kari Brown is the president and CEO of Spark the Journey. Kari joined Spark the Journey in 2001 as the organization's executive director and quickly became, we'll say quickly, quickly became the CEO in 2015. Since then, since then, he has taken the organization from a niche program that, that served and reached about 50 students per year to a, to a shoot, a, a powerhouse organization that is currently supporting more than 500 students and has grown over 400% since 2012. This is why we have him on today, to talk about this type of leadership. See, under his leadership, Spark the Journey has seen 61%, 61% of its graduates complete college on time, a rate that is nearly three times that of similar student or um, similar students across the, the country. I just have to say, how are you doing today, kind sir? I am doing great. And that's a heck of an intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, to be here. Hey, look, it, it is all my pleasure that you have you here because, um, I mean, there's really no other question that I can start this conversation off with than the one I'm about to ask right now. Okay. So, uh, and doing my research about you, I heard that you were a powerhouse, that you actually played professional basketball, and you were so good, so good that you were invited to play basketball against President Obama at um, at Camp David. And during that basketball game, you dunked on the president. So how does it feel to have dunked on a president? <laughs> I love how stories evolve over time and become... <laughs> I jumped from half court. Did you hear that too? It was incredible. You should have seen it. it. MJ uh, had nothing on you. No, 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 no. It was That was my day. Uh, no, it was that was a tremendous experience, and uh, you know, basketball has given me a lot of things in life, and that is one of the top. <laughs> playing <laughs> playing with the president for sure. Well, I mean, on a serious note, though, I, I do have to ask: like, how do you get invited to Camp David to play with the president of the United States? Like, how, how does that even happen? Uh, good fortune is a, a big part of <laughs> that answer. But I, you know, I've been leading this mentoring program for the last 22 years. Um, we used to be called Capital Partners for Education. We've rebranded and we're sparked the journey. And we rely on volunteers. And, and several of those volunteers worked for the president and were involved and were basketball players themselves. And so, as you know, um, or many people know that uh, President Obama was a you know, avid basketball fan and player. And you know, some people in the White House had a job of organizing basketball games and finding local players. So some of the 
volunteers in our program uh, invited me, and and it, you know that was a thrill of a lifetime. Well, um, just if you ever talk to them, please let them know that um, I do play a little ball myself. Uh, <laughs> I, I still remember I played when I was in elementary. I was I was a, I was a beast. I was a beast. Yeah, you know, <laughs> well, I think uh, you know, presidents now in his sixties and is uh, playing more golf than hoop. Um, so, you know, I think that the window might be it might have closed on that one. <laughs> so, here's where we go with this. Okay, so I think it was Warren Buffett mm-hmm. is famous for saying, uh, "You, you ever know Bobby, the, the guy who uh, played the, the chess master." Um, yeah, really, yeah, really yeah. good. Fisher, I think. Yeah, Bobby Fisher. Yeah, he said. He said. He said. If you want to beat Bobby Fisher, mm-hmm. then play Bobby Fisher at any other sport than chess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> there you go. So, so to, you know, to make a reference to President Obama playing less ball now, that's perfect for right. me. One. Um, right. Two. <laughs> right. Two. I'd love to hear about you, and you know, obviously there are things that you're good at. Obviously, because you've been in this role for now 22 years, um, you have some really cool stuff happening this year. Actually, I know you'll talk about later. But how did you decide, one, what you are good at? Mm. And then also, like, what are you not good at? You're like, you know what? That I, I'm just not going to focus my energy there. I can always find a <laughs> partner with someone. But you know, how did you decide where to focus your energy and what you're good at? And, and also in those things that you didn't feel like you should spend as much time on. You know, that's it. That's a tough question, Alex. I, I I don't know that I grew up thinking, you know, these are the things I'm really good at. And uh, I, I, I approached it thinking, you know, this is what I like and this is what I'm passionate about and this is what's important to me. Um, and that's really what drew me to the work that I've been doing in my career. Uh, when I started, I was a, I was the only person on the staff. So I was a team of one and I had to do everything. And I had to learn that really quickly. And of course, I wasn't good at everything. So I needed to, you know, to answer your question, bring in people and get help from people who knew those, those things that I wasn't as good at, or, you know, and and get their help. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was a quick lesson for me is, you know, surround yourself with smart people, um, people who have skills that you don't have, and make sure that, you know, they're doing the things that help to complement your strengths. And I think, you know, I, that's what I continue to try to do. <laughs> and it's just really refine and spend my time doing the things that are most useful to the mission that I'm, you know, leading and, and, and build a team around me of stars who you know, can do those other things that, that they are best at. And I think that's, you know, one of the most important things about leadership. I think this is a, I think this is a relevant question I'm going to ask, especially because you deal with a lot of mentoring and, and the development of people. How do you know the difference between, you know, needing to hire the person who is great for the position or the person who could be great for the position? I'm going to preface that with um, John Maxwell once said, um, the best way to have a a motivated staff is to hire motivated people, right? Mm, And so where is that line for leaders when they can say, hey, look, I know this person can do the, this person over here, test it, they can do the job. Or versus you saying, I know this is going to be more 
time for me. It's going to be more effort for me to develop this person, to coach this person, but I think they could do it. How do you decide when to when to invest versus get the, the person you know you can, can do the job? Yeah, that is a, a great question. If you see something in someone that is a strength that you think you can help develop and that will shine, you know, over, over time. I've gone after that person and look to, you know, help to help to grow them and, and support them um, along that journey. And, and that has worked out great. But I would also say that hiring is not an exact science and, you know, the, you go into it and you you make the best call that you can based upon all the information that you have, but you can invest all the resources in the world and have as many interviews and have, you know, and, and background checks and all of the, and it's never perfect, right? It's never perfect. So sometimes you just have to go with your gut yeah. and, and that's often the deciding factor. Uh, you, you make me think of the song. Gotta know when to hold them. Gotta know when to fold them. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because, so like you said, sometimes you're gonna make really, really great hiring choices. Um, like you said, it's not it's not a a exact science. Right. However, there are times when you you make the hiring decision and it's not a great person. Mm -hmm. um, no, so let me take a step back. They're not, not like they're not a great person. Maybe they're not, not the right fit for the organization and or for that That's position. Right. Right. You know, what I've ran into so often, though, is leaders who, in retrospect, understand that, hey, this this is not working, mm -hmm. but they don't want to have tough conversations. And mm -hmm. so they allow that person to stay and it, and it, and it can have a, a negative impacts on the organization, on the team. And, you know, what do you say to those leaders who who know they have someone on their team that is not performing at the level they should be? Um, to not only not only support the team, but also support the mission of the organization and, and the people who are who are relying on this organization to to fulfill that mission. What would you say? What advice would you have to them? You know, having an employee on staff that's just it's just not working. Well, hopefully, the person that leader sees what I'm seeing, right? <laughs> and so that's number one is making sure that you know I'd, I'd say, hey, you know this is what I'm seeing. And what do you think? Um, are you seeing, because they're going to be closer to it than I am, but I, I would then encourage them to, you know, try to support that person. And, and can we, can we, can we work around this issue or is this something that is not solvable? And often, you know, it's the former, but sometimes you just can't, it's just not the right fit. And then mm -hmm. you have to know when you're, it's going to be better to find someone who is. Yeah, I spoke to a good friend of mine on another episode a few months ago, Ryan uh, Chinkoko, and he, he and I talked about how, like, there's so many leadership books out there that tell you, hey, this is how you deal with it, a, a challenged employee. You know, have this conversation, sit them down, provide them with a pip. Five them with mentoring opportunities, so on and so forth. But he's like, but none of those books really get into the emotional anguish that will come from having to have those conversations. Because you're, you know, as a leader, you know, I mean, generally speaking, people, I don't believe people are bad. I don't think people just want to be not performing their, their job well. And yet you're, you're having to make a decision that will impact them, their families, and so on and so forth. 
like there's just a lot of there's a lot of emotional i'll tell you myself like there was one time i had to i had to let an employee go um and i did everything i possibly could to help that employee but it got to the point where there's nothing that could be done and i still remember i couldn't sleep for like the week leading up to that because i was just so i couldn't stop thinking about their life you know Well, Alex, you know, in, in 22 years of, of leading Spark the Journey, of course, I've had I've had that, <laughs> that same type of instance. And and you know, one thing to think about is that when you're letting a person stay on who is not performing, and you know, think about what that may be doing to the morale of others on your team. Mm-hmm. And I've had situations where, you know, say there's someone who's really advocating for the person who's underperforming, or we're just reluctant because of circumstances surrounding that person. And, and, and then you find out that it's causing more damage to keep them around because other people are looking around and saying, like, why is this person getting a break when I'm having to do her work mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm doing this extra stuff and I'm not getting recognized for that. Right. And, and that's not fair. Right. So y- you want to create a culture where there's a- accountability and fairness. And part of that um, is, is making sure that everybody <laughs> is, is doing what they're, what they're there to do. And that's in yeah. support of your mission. Right. And, 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 and so, Yes, it, it does not keep you from having those you know, sleepless nights necessarily. But when you are drifting off to sleep, you know, you know that you're making your decisions for what is best for mm. the people that you lead. And yeah, and then hopefully you get a good night's sleep. Right. No, that, that's that's a really, really great point to to reframe that that thinking It's not about. It, it just made me click for me. Like it's not about potentially harming that person. It's not about harming that, even though there is uncomfortability that may, may be coming from that. But it's also about helping the the team. It's about helping the people who are going to be positively impacted by the results of the mission of the organization if you can accomplish it. So there is a lot of of positive that that could be taking place because of the action you're taking as a leader. That's right. That's right. There. there when you're making decisions as a leader, they're going to be potentially unpopular with some, with some uh, percentage of you know your stakeholders, mm-hmm. right? And so, if you're spending your time really worrying about making everybody happy, that is a recipe <laughs> for failure because you it's it, it it's impossible, right? And so you have to f- follow what is best what I you know what information do I have as the leader that others maybe, maybe don't have um, and what is my responsibility here it is to the mission it is to the people right and sometimes you got to make hard calls you know so I was blessed um, I, I, I my first professional opportunity was overseeing and creating the executive leadership development program um, for the US Department of the Interior so I worked at the office of the secretary and I got to see the organization from quote unquote, the top level and see how things interacted with the national versus the bureaus versus the states and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and then from that point in my career, I was able to dig down, oh, I worked at the, then the bureau level and I worked at the, the park level and I worked at 
now work at different organizations across the country. The one thing I, one of those things I really took with me is because I started off working at a level that allowed me to see things from a macro perspective, it allowed me to understand that sometimes leaders are making decisions that I just don't have the information, right? I just don't have the context they have, but also I know that yes, some people are benefiting from this, but I also know some people are being harmed by this. And I, I understand how hard it is to make these decisions, especially at the macro level. Um, but what I found is that there's just a lot of people who also haven't had that experience, right? They haven't mm-hmm. worked in a, in a scenario where they, where they saw or they've seen um, these decisions being made where, again, I love I I teaching on right versus right. Where hmm. it's right to do this, but it's right to do that. And either way, some yeah. people are gonna not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you help how do you help people understand who haven't had that experience understand that as a leader, I'm gonna have to make a decision that, or you're possibly that you whoever you're talking to, you're gonna end up making a decision that is not gonna be happy with everyone, but it's what's best for that situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alex, not everyone, as I said, is going to be happy and you, you just have to trust your gut <laughs> and and have faith that you're doing the right thing of course you want to communicate you know as much as you are able to why you are making decisions but sometimes there will be decisions that you have to make where there's a piece of information that is privileged <laughs> and you can't share and as much as you would really want to, you know, for privacy reasons or whatever, you, you just cannot share. And that is hard, but that's why it's a privilege to be a leader. And you, you get a lot of um, power and, and, and privilege, you know, and that just comes with it, I think. Are you ready to bring your DEI efforts to the next level? Introducing Alex Tremble, a professional speaker who combines expertise and entertainment to create an unforgettable experience for DEI professionals and organizing staff. With a focus on leadership, mentorship, and relationship building, Alex is dedicated to helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse and high-qualified leaders. From the 12 pillars of an effective mentoring relationship to the seven must-have leadership skills, Alex provides practical advice that can be immediately implemented. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have Alex at your next event. Contact team at alextrimble.com to book the speaker who will take your organization's diversity and inclusion journey to new heights. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently, and he brought up that um, part of the challenge that we have, that leaders have nowadays, is a a, a trust deficit. Back in the day, quote unquote, back in the day, um, people would just, if if something was happening, the leader would say, hey, this happened, and this is why we're doing it, and so on and so forth. And there was a degree of just trusting. Okay, the leader made that decision. Must be a reason for it. Um, It sucks but we're going to go along with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, we the pendulum has kind of swung the other way. There's a lack of trust. There's, mm-hmm. there's a, where at a macro level, he said that, you know, there's just more distrust for the system. And you know, are you really doing what's right? Are you really doing it what's right for the organization? Or is it right, right for you? And there's a lot of questioning. And, you know, as a leader, 
you get you find yourself in those situations where you have that critical piece of information that mm-hmm. that you just can't share. That if everyone under, if everyone knew that they would understand, likely, hopefully, um, mm-hmm. but you can't share those. So you you're relying on trust, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. trust isn't isn't just given nowadays. So like, how do you again? And I feel like in a society where we are now kind of tense, I think like more people are tense nowadays for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. How do you go yeah. about building that trust when it's really easy for people to say, eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust is built over time. There's not a single instance. So people are going to watch what you do, what you say all the time. And every action you're banking, hopefully, some element of trust with people. And you have to be intentional about that. So when there comes a time that you know you have to when you say, listen, this is this is what we're going to do and this is why and I and you you tell them all that you can tell them and they want more and you're not able to share more. They have to trust you and and part of you know your success at that point is is going to be built upon or based upon what you did last year, two years ago, last week mm. that is not even related to to this instance and so you know i can think back to instances where i was in that position and some people were questioning me and i had to say you know well, why are they questioning me yeah. maybe i have not communicated enough with some of these folks and i've got to do that that means i got to do better at that right yeah. and yeah. and i yeah. think we always have to be introspective about how we can communicate better, because that's what I think it, it comes down to. If your actions are pure and, you know, then the deficit is in, probably in your communication. You, you, I, I love this, this direction you've gone. Um, you, you make me think of a, actually, one of the topics I talk about in one of my trainings is leadership perception. I, I love to make the point that it really doesn't matter what you think. Um, to a large degree, it really matters for the people around you think. I say it because mm-hmm. um, you can think um, that you are a, a phenomenal communicator. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone around you can say, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to a large degree, it really does matter. And I, and, and I say that that's perception. You can be doing everything you possibly can, but if there is a perception that you are a certain way, it actually tints how people view what you do. Right. Like right. it was actually really right. interesting. My wife and I are reading this book and she brought up the fact that, again, this, we're not going to go into this too deep, but I'm reading this book and she's like, hey, Alex, you realize like if someone was a quote unquote liberal, they would interpret it, they would interpret this section of the book this way. And if they were conservative, yeah. they would interpret it this way. And they would have right. two different meanings of the book yeah. based on their own experiences. So that perception piece is so important. I want to just underscore for everyone who's listening. This is something also not to be not to be pushed aside because you can do everything right as a or as a leader. You can do everything right. Um, right. But if the perception of you mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is off and or is negative and people are then interpreting everything you're doing in a particular way, right. that could lead to you getting undermined or getting fired. Right. Or, or, like perception is important. Is that <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that. I had to learn was, you know, it goes back to what I was saying before about communication. So 
as I've been leading Spark the Journey, you know, we were very small when I started. And so when you're leading a team of three people, <laughs> it's pretty easy to communicate. Like everybody knows what's going on. When you make a decision, it's pretty clear why they've yeah. been involved in the process. And, you know, then you grow to five to 10. And then once you get past about 10 people, now you have specialists who are doing roles. And you have, you have to be able to communicate, you know, across the, the organization in a different way. And that was something that, that I had to learn was, you know, as we got larger, that I couldn't rely on people observing necessarily. I had to be able to, I had to be more deliberate in the ways in which I would share what it was we were doing and why. Um, and that you had to learn the hard way, right? I think, you know, a lot of um, what I share about leadership is you're going to make mistakes and, and, you know, and it's what you do after you make those mistakes that really defines, you know, your character and, you know, in your organization's success, right? Because again, if you've built up some element of trust and you've been competent, they're not going to get rid of you after you make your first mistake. <laughs> and so did you pick yourself up and dust yourself off and figure out what you need to do better? And that can lead to growth, right? And that's, and, and I think that's what all, you know, really effective leaders do. They, they're not, they're not going to be dissuaded by a, a particular setback. They're going to be more motivated to find a way to figure out, okay, all right. So that didn't work. What's going to work here? How do I do that? Okay. Now let's go. You, you, Along those lines, I've heard you talk about the importance of infrastructure. You, you talked about how, how important it is for nonprofits and for-profit organizations to be intentional with building infrastructure because um, many organizations find themselves in a situation where they're growing, 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 and then they try to think, oh, shoot, I forgot, in the infrastructure. Um, and, and as I hear you talking right now, what, what it also makes me think of is not only infrastructure in regards to the company, but infrastructure in regards to person, your personal self, you, mm -hmm. you know, you need to be consistently building yourself, your skills, your, 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 your resilience, like all those things. So when you are in those situations where those opportunities come, you have the foundation, you may not have everything, but you have maybe the foundation needed to overcome that, whatever that, that challenge mm -hmm. may be, or that opportunity is, yeah. is, is that, is, what are your, your thoughts and reactions to that? Yeah, it's so, so important, Alex, um, to make sure that as a leader, that you're taking care of yourself, you know, and because if, if you're not doing it, you know, then, then it's all going to fall apart, right? When you hit those hard times, you got to draw on some element of, of reserves that have to be there, right? And you have to be steady through ups and downs. So for me, I work really hard at, you know, trying to keep the right balance in my life to be able to have time with my family and time for myself, um, time for my, you know, taking care of my health, making sure that I'm sleeping and eating, you know, um, I'm not making bad decisions because I'm, I'm worn down. Right. And, and that's, I think, been a real key to my longevity, you know, 22 years of, of, um, of, of leading in this sector. And, 
when I started, there were people I looked up to who were, you know, the top leaders. And I look around and those folks have been gone for 15 years now. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm still plugging away. So I think for me, that's been really, really important. You can weather those storms, whether they're external storms or storms of your own making, right? <laughs> you know, we faced both of those in the last three years. And um, so that's how you get through those hard times. And, and also, Alex, it, it sets an example for the people on your team, right? You have to be mindful yeah. about what are people taking away from the way I'm carrying myself? Um, and how <laughs> that's a really important um, aspect as well, because people will follow your cues and, and that becomes a part of the culture um, for better or for worse. Goodness gracious. Okay. You, you said two things I, I, want, I want to make sure we have some time to talk about really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, the first is you were talking about taking care of self mm -hmm. and you made me think recently I was, um, I've been, I've been struggling with my weight for a while. I, I know everyone who's seen, who's seen this video, my videos of me, I know you're going to say, oh, Alex, you look so handsome and super good looking. I know, I know, but I'm still trying to get more. You beat me to it, Alex. I was just about to say that. <laughs> well, you know, I was, the other day, I was, I was thinking to myself, like, man, like, I, I haven't lost the weight that I wanted to lose. I, I've been trying to get, do this for a while, but I haven't lost the weight I wanted to lose. And I don't know what happened, but it just, like, come clicked. It was like, oh, shoot, you know, last October... You were, you were 283. Um, mm -hmm. And now you're, I mean, just yesterday or this morning, I weighed myself from 261. Mm -hmm. And the, I was like, oh, like I actually have made progress, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's so easy to forget the progress you've made, right? Not only in weight, but as a leader, it's, it's really, it's mm -hmm. really, you just, you just get into the day-to-day -day grind, trying to make good decisions and help people. And mm -hmm. I think it's really important what you're talking about is take a second to pause and just yeah. look back and see how far you've come, you know? Yeah. Alex, I'm terrible at that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm right there with you, brother. I, I, that's, um, I need to be better at, at acknowledging that I am always a forward looking person and that helps me when I just, I was just sharing about how you get up and like, <laughs> you know, you're not dissuaded by mistakes that you make. And <laughs> <laughs> you've got to recognize your progress. You can't just be driven um, by, you know, fear of failure or the motivation to achieve more, more, more mm -hmm. without recognizing um, your successes. It's not healthy for, for you as, as, as the leader, mm -hmm. but again, your team needs that, um, validation, that recognition, because they're, they're doing the hard work that all, all of the time and they need that, uh, that recognition for that constant progress, whether you're at the final destination or not. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I've, I've had to you know, I'm better, but I, I still um, still have to do better, and that's you know, and I will. I I everything you said, super serious, super agree with. Um, and for those of you who are of a certain age, we we probably had a um, 
a visual image popped in our head when you said Final Destination. I immediately, <laughs> I immediately think of the movie. <laughs> okay, no, no, no plane crashes. <laughs> every side note, every time we're driving on the road and I see one of those big trucks with the logs on it, I'm like, oh, nope, nope, not driving behind this. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> the other thing you mentioned, um, I'd love this key in on really quickly. You talked about, you mentioned the word culture. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that the work you do is is impacting culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, 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 it's, and it is, and, and it is impacted by culture our society, the norms, the systems that we have, like what people believe should and should not be happening. Those are all part of culture. And what I want to raise to you, so I I was being interviewed for another, um, for BIPOC, actually, no, PSYOP, no, BIOP, um, the Black Industrial Organizational Psychology uh, Organization, which is really cool organization. Um, And they asked me, why is culture so difficult and to change so difficult? And I share with them, like, the reality is like, culture of the organization, the systems, how people operate, regardless of how quote unquote bad it is, someone is benefiting from it, right? Mm-hmm. And so those people won't want the culture to change um, mm-hmm. because they're benefiting from it, generally speaking. But then even the people who aren't benefiting from it um, are, are benefiting from it because when, even when you have a bad system, if it's a system, there is there is security because you know what's going to happen. You know what to expect. And people like to know what to expect. So when you start changing and shaping culture, now you're throwing that system out of whack. And people have to figure out, okay, how are we going to move forward? There's anxiety that comes along with change. You and I know this. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. you can even have those people who know that the culture is not great kind of fighting against you because it's also easier for me to say, yes, I agree the culture of this organization of the system is not great and exactly, and you should change. Mm-hmm. I don't want to change. Mm-hmm. You should change your behaviors. And so this is hard. How do you go about doing the work you do with your organization? How do you, how are you fighting to change the culture in regards to inter, uh, education and mentorship, and you're focused on helping leaders move, uh, more diverse leaders move in a senior level position such as right. I. Like, right. How are you working and how do you believe we should move to try to change this culture given how difficult it is? Well, Alex, I'm, I'm really fortunate that culture is, is one of the things I think it's an amazing strength for, for our organization. If you ask our employees, Today or 15 years ago, they would all tell you that that they come to this organization because they are passionate about supporting young people and helping them achieve. And that is the that is that is the strength in our culture that they will go above and beyond, um, driven by that really powerful and important mission. And so we haven't had to really change that. That has been uh, a constant for us. And, and it's just, it, that is why, you know, people ask me, you know, what has, what has kept you here for, for so long? I'm, 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 you know, we were working together and I'm on my fourth job since, you know, (laughs) we were working together, you know, some years ago, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to get up every day and, and, and work with people who are, are so driven to to help young people achieve, and that you know, I want to be around those people. They give me energy. <laughs> you know, we we our our organization 
we have a 500 person volunteer workforce, right? So people wow. come to us wow. because they want to, they see what's happening in our communities and they want to be a part of the change. Yeah. Right. And I love being around those people. They, like I said, they give me energy. Their, their, their enthusiasm, you know, their sincerity is, is motivating to me. It makes me want to, you know, make sure that I'm doing all that I can for those people. Right. Mm -hmm. How can I not um, want to, you know, when, when you're helping someone um, who is going through a potential eviction and is trying to figure out how are they going to um, persist in school and you're getting, you're, you're helping to get them the resources that they need to yeah. overcome those challenges. Like I want to be around those people. That's a, that's a culture that I want to be a part of. So that's, that's been a real uh, blessing for, for me. And I think for, for everyone who's been involved with Spark. I just want to really quickly underscore for everyone. Um, everything you said, I love and it's amazing. And on top of that, you mentioned a 500 person volunteer workforce. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people who are listening to this have managed a volunteer workforce. It is not easy. <laughs> it's, it's extremely impressive what you have done and are doing. Um, again, just quick note. Imagine you have employees that you're paying to do a job and mm -hmm. some of them don't want to do it. Imagine having mm -hmm. people you're not paying. Right, 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 <laughs> like right. You right. have to engage them. And like, yeah. And so the work you're doing obviously is 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 so profound and having such a positive impact that these people continue to come to your organization and and serve and mentor and and just just do phenomenal things. And so I, I know that you have to jump off. Um, I believe you have a pickup game with Biden this afternoon. Um, <laughs> so. Be careful not to jump from half court uh, over. Not on Biden. Look, I, I want to open the floor to you. Is there anything you'd like to share with our audience as we begin to wrap up? Well, Alex, thank you for that. Um, you know, we have, we have an event coming up um, on April 26th. This is we're celebrating our 30th anniversary um, with Spark the Journey as an organization mentoring young people to college and career in the Washington D.C. area. So we're celebrating this event. It's a fundraising event on April 26th at six o'clock. It's at the Eaton Hotel in D.C. And folks can get more information by going to our website, which is sparkthejourney.org. And, you know, it's going to be an incredible night. We're bringing back alumni who are going to share some stories. And um, we have council member Will Jawando, um, who is actually one of those guys who uh, be on the court with me and um, President Obama is a <laughs> former basketball friend of mine who's a council member and wrote an incredible book called My Seven Black Fathers. And he's a, a mentoring advocate. Um, and, and a public official and, and someone who's doing great work um, in our community. So it's going to be a terrific event and hope that uh, your guests can, can, can join us. Well, as long as you can invite me on the court, I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I, I tell people I, I've got, oh, go on. No, no. I was, I was going to say, you know, we get to schedule that pickup game, but uh, uh, <laughs> I've gotten to the point in my career 
where um, I don't play for free. So there's got to be. <laughs> All right. I'm just All right. I'm that good. I'm, I'm that good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, thank you so much for coming on today. I, I really appreciate you. I love the conversation. I love everything you've shared today. And I want to thank the audience. I want to thank all of you, especially all of you who've made it this far into the show for, for being consistent, for being focused, for being, for being interested and curious to learn and continuously find ways to grow yourself. So um, I want to say that, but you know what I'm going to say next. Um, don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value today, don't keep it to yourself and say that person over there should have been there. Um, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Bring this to them. Share the link with them. Share the, the, the knowledge. Click like, subscribe, comment. We love to hear from you. You can always reach out to me or Kari. Kari, can, can I ask, how can people find connect with you, actually? Um, you can find me through uh, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, um, through our through our website, um, any of those. And and. Um, can we share the links with you, Alex? I will. Sh I will share them in the description. Um, be yes. sure to also include your MySpace URL so that we can. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I'll have to look that one up. Uh, dust it up. <laughs> hey, look, everyone! Thank you so much. As always, I encourage you to stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.